Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today here at Charlotte Motor Speedway, conference room right behind Victory Lane, where in about a week and a half... They will be crowning the first winner of the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval Road Course race. And the man who will be doing those honors is right across me, Marcus Smith. Hey. Marcus, thanks for being here. Thank you, Nate. I appreciate it. This is a fun time. I, uh, I don't like to think of it being a week and a half away. I like to think of it as being like tomorrow because <laughs> <laughs> we've got so many things to uh, all those little details to finish up. And uh, everybody's working really hard making well, it happen. You certainly have been, uh, I think, the dominant focus of the conversation here, really since the playoffs began. I mean, I know there was a lot of chatter going into Las Vegas about the heat and a lot of chatter coming out of that race about the way it unfolded. And obviously people this week are talking about Richmond. But your race, I think, has gotten a lot of talk. Yeah, and yeah it has. I, I presume that's exactly how you had planned it. You know, uh, I mean, to, to start the year off, I think uh, at Media Tour, we had a lot of discussion about the Roval. There was, um, you know, talks about it when we did some testing. We had some tire testing here. We've um, done, you know, various tweaks to the track. So we've uh, certainly stayed uh, in the conversation throughout the season and then definitely um, uh, last week in Vegas, the Media Day on Thursday. There's a lot of discussion <laughs> and a lot of laughs around uh <laughs> how drivers feel about uh, coming here uh, to the Roval, and um, it's going to be awesome. I, I, I am, I'm very, very uh, pleased with everything, and I uh, can't wait to see the race. It was a major topic on Playoff Media Day at Las Vegas last week, Marcus. I'm going to read you a quote from Kevin Harvick. <laughs> hey, this is what he told us in a sit-down with NBC Sports. I think the treacherous part of the course is the whole course. <laughs> I don't think there's really a safe spot on the course. Oh my gosh. You know, as far as where you're going to pass that, I don't really know the answer to either. I think there's so many unknowns until we actually go do it and see what happens at the Roval. I think everybody is going to be a little bit unsure of what they need to do. There's so many unknowns I don't have any answers for. Yes. And I will add that <laughs> several other drivers also, We had, the question was, you know, what's the most treacherous part of this track? And Harvick was not the only one. I think we had Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney. We had, we had three or four other people who said the most treacherous part is the entire track. Yeah. So when you hear that, mm -hmm. is, is that mission accomplished for Charlotte Motor Speedway? Is that what you want to hear? Um, you know, I did not set out to have a, a treacherous road course. Um, what, uh, what I set out to do is do something different and amazing. And, uh, it's something that 
you know, for me as a fan, I would enjoy. And I think we're going to get that. The intention of the Roval is that it is a world-class road course. Uh, we have gone to uh, extreme lengths to make it a fantastic road course. Challenging? Yes, it is absolutely challenging. You know, Monaco is challenging. Our course is wider than Monaco, where F1 races on one of their most storied uh, events of the year, the same day as the Coke 600 and Indy 500. You know, there is no forgiveness on that course. I think it's very appropriate that when NASCAR comes to the Bank of America Roval 400, we're going to see these world-class championship drivers on this very difficult, challenging, and demanding road course that it was brand new. And I think the fact that it's brand new really adds a lot of complexity. Kind of like when I go to a brand new city, I don't like to drive in a brand new city. I don't know my way around. You know, you, you get lost easy, you, you don't know the turns quite as, as well. So I think that's uh, as much of anything as just getting used to your braking marks, your you know, where you accelerate, the right lines for the turns. There's so many unknowns. You know, we'll see the greatest drivers in the world, greatest teams in the world get pushed to the nth degree. And as a fan, I'm super excited to see that unfold. Now, usually though, Marcus, when you hear drivers talk in those terms, it tends to come with a lot more derision and a lot more negativity. And this seems to be, hey, we don't know what to expect. And we kind of like that. Yeah. Is that a credit to you, your staff, NASCAR, for sort of preparing drivers that embrace the unknown? This is what we want. If you're not necessarily comfortable with this track, then we've done what we were setting out to do here. I guess it's not unexpected. Ironically, we were ready to do this um, last year. <laughs> right. So right. this whole project has been like three years in the making. We, I really wanted to do it in 2017 uh, after a meeting with uh, some of the team owners in NASCAR in February of 2017, we decided to, uh, to postpone to 18, which is fine. And it's given us more time to perfect the course even more. But so it, it's been something that everybody's kind of known about for, you know, quite some time and it's, been there to to look at and uh, to to work on, and I think as we've gotten closer and closer, that kind of intensity ratchets up even mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's some people who believe that there is an inversely proportional theory in NASCAR <laughs> and racing that what's bad for drivers or what might be perceived as bad for drivers yeah. is actually good for fans. Yeah, you subscribe yes. to that. T. Wayne Robertson uh, is, I, I think, the one that sort of uh, started that. Uh, the, R.J. Reynolds, the famous uh, R.J. Reynolds guy. Exactly, yeah. Right. And maybe it was Bill Jr. and I'm not, I'm not sure, but I always always ascribe that to T. Wayne. And uh, he would he said many times in meetings that I would tag along with uh, with my dad on, you know, when the drivers are happy, the the fans aren't. Something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, my goal is not at all to uh, you know to make drivers upset. It's it's kind of interesting, you know, when I was um, when I was younger watching like Talladega. And Bristol was always fun, and drivers always complained about those tracks. I mean, uh, your buddy Kyle Petty, you know, wanted to fill Bristol up and to make it a bass fishing tournament. <laughs> um, but at some point, it changed, and drivers started saying, oh, I like Talladega. Oh, I like Bristol. And that was sort of a 
a change in uh, in tone from from drivers. I thought it was kind of interesting. But when uh, the drivers come here next week, you know, I, I know that that uh, there's a chance we might we might make some of them mad, and um, that's uh, the intensity of the playoffs, the intensity of the track. Do you feel like you've gotten? drivers to kind of buy in then Marcus on this being a good thing even if they leave here angry because they understand as you said it's something fresh it's something different you know a guy like Harvick is out there saying mm-hmm. we need to rotate the, the championship race right, to keep right, things fresh right so have they learned I guess to kind of buy in on this concept because they view it through that same prism of maybe we need to change everything up even yeah. if it's necessarily bad for us and what is that shift why do you think drivers have have come around on that well, I don't know if they are buying in, honestly, to uh, to the Roval. I think some of them have made a conscious decision to focus on doing well. And I was able to observe that during testing here uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, and I, there was a difference, you know, between the people who came here with an intention to, uh, to conquer it. Right. And uh, that right. was really interesting to observe. Um, and it was... Drivers and teams working really hard to make it happen. There was a lot of resistance around this. I mean, we months and months and months ago, yep. there was a lot of resistance. It was um, it was interesting and challenging. We made it through, and I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Fans are excited. I mean, every every fan that I talk to, we have some fans that are uh, saying they're they're not too excited about it, but overwhelming majority and you, you look at the ticket report we've got uh, a whole lot of people coming to this race that's going to be exciting are you guys ahead of where you were last yeah we sure are okay. we sure are so you're um, expecting a bigger crowd yes yeah we definitely are expecting a bigger crowd so you mentioned marcus that you had to postpone this from 2017 you said there was some resistance yes who was that drivers was it owners NASCAR? it was a combination drivers owners manufacturers there was also some timing you know we, we were talking about this in uh in in february for the following october uh so there was a lot of you know, sort of timing objectives to that and so uh, we got you know way ahead of it you know 18 months or more and uh, so that that helps a lot since then we've had Goodyear tire testing we've had drivers out to give us some feedback on the course I love all the the work that's gone into building this course has been awesome I mean I've had Mario Andretti out he's given us some hot laps and his you know priceless feedback on the course we've had uh, Jeff Gordon's involvement Max Pappas Um, it's, it's just been really really fantastic to have so much input from uh, you know, legends of the sport. Yeah, certainly a, a sage like Mario Andretti is going to have some good advice for you all his years around oh, yeah. racing. And did, did I hear correctly? Did he advise a little bit on some infield camping? He did. Ideas? He did. Yeah. yeah. How cool yeah. is that? He yeah. said um, before he got in the car. First of all, he said um, before he, he he agreed to do the <laughs> the drive. He said, um, "I'll do it, but I want to drive a Porsche 918." Bob Lutz, who works with Mario, said Mario wants to drive a 918. And I think you know where you can get one. So it happens that uh, my brother had a Porsche 918 at the time. And I said, listen, that is crazy. Like, I haven't driven that car. I'm afraid to drive that car. It's a, it's a million-dollar car. They only made 918 of them. You know, we're in the car business. My brothers are and, and everything. And uh, so they had this vehicle. And um, and I said, well, I'm not driving it, but but I'll check. And uh and then uh, my brothers were both both said, "Yeah, let's do it." You know, Mario, and uh, I'll 
Oh, yeah. One of them rode. My brother David rode along with Mario, which was extremely brave and crazy at the same time. <laughs> I think uh, David made the mistake of asking Mario not to uh, push it too hard, yeah. which he just did the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, great. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were going very fast. I mean, well over 150 miles an hour through the uh, through the track. And uh, this is a just a super car. And uh, so Mario, before he drove it, he said... I'm going to drive it and I'll give you the feedback. And if I like it, I'll tell everybody else. If I don't like it, I won't tell anybody but you, (laughs) (laughs) which was fantastic. You know, it was kind of uh, my hope uh, really. So he uh, had two things, uh, three things. One, he said, it's amazing. It's, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. He was um, really surprised by the elevation changes and the the camber and the turns and and that sort of thing. And then he said, uh, the infield, you need to uh, create an infield camping area because that's what, uh, that's what all the great road courses in Europe have. You have an area where all the fans are right in the middle and, uh, and it makes a lot more fun. And, uh, and the third thing he said is you need a chicane on the backstretch. And at the time we didn't have a chicane on the backstretch. And I said, why do you want a chicane on the backstretch? And he said, you're going too fast. It's, it's just too fast. And I said, well, I like too fast. I've never heard of anything <laughs> that's too fast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I said, you sound like a driver. And uh, he, he said, no, you need, you need that uh, chicane. And so, you know, that was in my mind. And sure enough, um, you know, we came back after some testing uh, with, with Goodyear and the teams. And, and they said, you know, if we don't have a chicane, then we're going to need to, make, need to make the tire so hard that it really won't be very good on the infield road course area, you know, which is a choice, but it, it may not be the best choice. So, um, so we went ahead and, and added the chicane on the back stretch, which um, actually works out fine because it's, um, it allows us to have more competitive passing on the infield and you get another passing point on the track, which is pretty cool. Any chance we'll see Mario here next weekend? Man, I hope so. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yes, he's definitely invited. <laughs> okay. I, I need to check Good. the RSVPs. Good. <laughs> so take me back to the beginning, Marcus. Like the genesis of this entire concept, the first idea, the first phone call, first reaction from NASCAR. How did it start? Was it was it you who was kind of the impetus for all this happening? Or when when I was a kid, I used to love coming to Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Camel GT race. This was uh, an, like what is today IMSA sure. racing on basically the same course. 90% of it is the same course. And we haven't had uh, the Camel GT back here, I think, since the 80s. And that was a sports car. Yeah, sports car racing. Sports I mean, racing. Rick Hendrick competed with, uh, with a Corvette sports car. You had, you know, the, the Porsches and the Jaguars, all these, you know, great 24-hour Le Mans type cars that were racing. So my dad and Rick Hendrick were, were talking and they said, you know, we, we need to revive the old road course uh, for testing. They were thinking about, you know, driving, sports car driving and uh, manufacturer car testing. So we started working on um, just improving and modernizing the infield road course. Um, I thought it was a great idea. thought it'd be fun. Nothing else would be a place to go drive, you know, some fast cars and enjoy it. October, I think of uh, 2015 or 2016, actually, I thought, you know, this race needs something special. We've got the NASCAR all-star race in May. We have the shortest race in NASCAR for a million bucks to win. 
Then you have the Coke 600, NASCAR's longest race, one of the most prestigious races in the world. And then in October, we have this you know, Bank of America 500. It was really overshadowed by the other two races. Uh, and my office is kind of up on the roof, and I can see everything really well. And I saw our brand-new road course in the infield, and I thought, hey, I got an idea. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Why don't we have a, a revive the old road course and uh, the Roval and, uh, and race NASCAR on the Roval? Another thing that sort of pushed me that way as I... Uh, listening to so many um, so many fans and drivers talk about uh, where they wanted a road course in the playoffs. And uh, you probably wrote many stories about that. Hey, sure. we need a road course in the playoffs. And I thought, well, this would sort of uh, kill two birds with one stone. You take out an intermediate mile and a half and you add in a road course. You know, mission accomplished. Yeah, that's how it kind of uh, happened. Was it Steve O'Donnell was your first call to NASCAR? I called Steve. Steve and I talk. Uh, you know, quite often, and I called Steve and said, are, are you sitting down? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's not the first crazy idea I've run by him. So um, I, uh, I talked to Steve and said, here's my idea. He said, man, that's a crazy idea, but I kind of like it. You know, just kept pushing from there. Was there any moment in which he thought, this isn't going to happen, there's too much resistance, I, we can't overcome this hurdle or this obstacle? So from the point of talking to Steve about it, I talked with our, our head of development, a guy named Steve Swift, and I um, did a quick sort of feasibility study. Could we do this? What would we need to do? And that took about a week. Once we had a plan on how to do it, and just the fact that we used to run the Camel GT here, you know, on the course already told me that we could do it. It's just a matter of, you know, some safety elements, what it would cost to... Uh, put all that together and modernize, modernize everything. But once we got there, I saw the goal and kept running hard towards it. I want to give you some credit, Marcus, because a lot of tracks are afraid sometimes to make changes because there's going to be a tacit admission when you make those changes that what's existing in place now isn't working. And one of the benefits of this is taking a mile and a half track. There's so many mile and a half mm -hmm. tracks in the playoffs right. and removing it from the equation in terms of the championship and adding something that's really challenging. Was it difficult, I guess, for you, your staff, your dad, whoever, to kind of admit that Charlotte Motor Speedway, which is you know synonymous with NASCAR and racing and oval racing, maybe doesn't need two oval races? You know, um, this was really about making something better, special, and different happen with the fall race. You know, we have this great unique thing with the all-star race and the, the great unique thing happening with the Coke 600. And then, you know, just running the 500 in a traditional oval, I, I just felt like, what else could we do? It just all sort of unfolded in front of me because we already had the road course. We'd already done a lot of work on it. And, uh, and it was ready to, you know, it's a fantastic uh, professional road course. It's really about making it more special. I felt really good about it. I, um, I, I thought it was exciting. I ran it by a few people. They seemed really, uh, you know, excited about it. That was encouraging. Was it encouraging from the perspective of it seems as if a lot of people say, I've written this, that r road courses feel like the new short tracks. Yeah. That fans yeah. really seem yeah. to get behind it. That was a factor. That was a factor. Hearing all the positive uh, feedback about road courses, I'm a huge fan. I loved what I saw in Sonoma, Watkins Glen for the last several years. It's been really fun to watch. 
they are the new short tracks. When the drivers go so fast a mile, on a mile and a half, you know, they're going 208 going into the turn, you don't have as many inputs. The, a driver can steer the car, use the brake, and use the accelerator. You're going as fast as the car can go. The pedal is down to the floor. It barely comes up. And so the driver is basically not using the brake, hardly using the accelerator, and steering. Now that changed a little bit this year with the aero package where they actually have to get on the brake at some of the mile and a half is pretty good and their speeds get down to 155 miles an hour and then they're back up to 205 going into the turn which is phenomenal. But I think one of the one of the really cool things about a road course and a short track is that braking and accelerating and steering all come into play in a much more substantial way every single lap and that really puts a lot more of the race in the driver's hand. Is this the easiest way then, do you think, to get short track action without doing like a total reconfiguration of a track into a short track? The short well, track without having to do it that way. This was definitely not easy. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money and a lot of time was a spent lot of on money, making this work. A lot of time, a lot of you know, perfecting and tweaking. It's significant. I think it would have been easier to make a different track. I'm, I'm not really? sure. It wow. was, it was huh. uh, substantial. But it's exciting. I think, you know, how cool is it for, for fans that come to Charlotte Motor Speedway, you get these three distinct races. I think that's pretty cool. I loved watching practice when, uh, when all the teams were here a few weeks ago. Just watching practice was super fun. I felt the same way about practice for the all-star race when uh, the teams were out there with the all-star package and watching that you could tell right away this is going to be a good race and I feel the same way about the Roval. I would love to see Marcus NASCAR look at the possibility of maybe doing a street course. I heard you mention Monaco. Mm -hmm. Could this be a blueprint for running a street course race for NASCAR? If, you, if it works here mm -hmm. without drivers yeah. retiring right afterward, um, <laughs> could, it, could it maybe be looked at as like, hey, maybe we could take this to the streets of New York or Seattle or wherever? From your standpoint, covering it, no problem. For a driver driving the course, not really a problem. But hosting the race, big problem with street courses. You, um, They're incredibly expensive to put on they're temporary, so you have no benefit to amortize expense over years. Street courses just tend to fail. I'm not a fan of street courses for that purpose. It's interesting. They're just incredibly expensive and bad business models. So um, I think things that are good for NASCAR as a sport overall need to also be good for the business of the sport so yeah. for fan and media appeal they're great i don't even think they're all that great for fans see the, one of the great things about the roval is as a fan you'll be able to see everything this is highly unusual in road course racing you you typically go to a road course and you see the section that's right in front of you and mm -hmm. that's it uh sonoma is a lot better than most you can see maybe two-thirds of the track um, maybe half of the track, depending on where you're sitting. You know, most tracks, you see a section, just a section of where you're at. And so you really can't take in the whole race like you can an oval race, like you can a short track or an intermediate or, or the super speedways. Uh, so this will be extremely unique and really the only thing like it in the world where you can sit in your seat and watch a road course race happen in front of you. So you mentioned that it might have been more expensive to just rebuild an entire track. What are we looking at here for the investment for Speedway Motorsports and Charlotte Motor Speedway? We're talking millions of dollars. Definitely millions. Definitely millions. Okay. I wouldn't want to uh, add it up beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well over seven figures. Yeah. Okay. Let's pause the podcast here. 
I want to tell you about a product that is designed for guys who want to stop hair loss. Now, I've been fortunate enough to avoid that, but as someone in my 40s, I certainly have a lot of friends who are facing hair loss. I think it's no secret that I've covered many NASCAR drivers who have also found themselves facing hair loss. It's a situation that millions have faced. Two-thirds of men start losing their hair before turning 35, and I'm sure many who have a little less hair than before have wondered if there's a real solution. Well, there is. To help guys with preventing or stopping hair loss, there is Keeps. Keeps offers generic versions of two FDA-approved hair loss products. Both of them have longevity in the market, but now they are cheaper and easier to obtain. It takes less than five minutes to sign up for Keeps. I've been to the website, you answer a few questions, you take a few photos, and a licensed doctor will review the information and provide a treatment plan for about $10 to $30 a month or a dollar a day. This is an affordable and great way to help fight your hair loss, but even better is that we have a deal for you. Your first month we keeps is free if you use this offer. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash NASCAR. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash NASCAR. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash NASCAR. Keeps, hair today, hair tomorrow. And now let's return to our conversation. This is a change this year, Marcus, for Charlotte Motor Speedway. Next year, we're certainly looking at the possibility of the drafting package being used at a number of NASCAR races and Charlotte Motor Speedway being one. Where do you th- see things unfolding for 2019 on that front? Are you expecting that for the 600 week? I am optimistic and uh, based on all the fan feedback that we've had, I, I think the fans are hopeful. Um, I know you may get some hate mail. I might get some, you know, that some aren't, but uh, you can't please everybody all the time. I learned that quick aside. I learned emphatically that you can't please everybody all the time. When we put in Speedway TV at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the biggest TV in the world, this amazing you know, element of, of fan, fan amenities at the track, we actually got complaints from a few, hmm. from just a, a few, very few people, but some people actually complained that it was either too bright or they couldn't see it you know, from where they were sitting. And it was, uh, it just sort of certified that Yes, in fact, you can't please everybody <laughs> <laughs> all the time. So, um, so that being a fact, I think that the drafting package, as you call it, it worked so great for the All-Star Race. If that happens for next year, I'm really optimistic about it. This year, with the exception of Michigan, it seems like there have been some great races lately. If, yeah, if Vegas I mean, was awesome. Vegas, Vegas was great. It was great trucks, Xfinity, Cup, fantastic racing all weekend in and, Vegas. And Cup, I mean, Indianapolis, I thought was good. Darlington was good. Bristol was excellent. So I wonder, as you make the case for let's move to a different rules package, does that case get harder to make, Marcus, or does NASCAR maybe need to have more trepidation about rolling this out at too many tracks next year, given that it seems like the current package, I mean, like you said, Vegas, one of your tracks, I mean, would you want to see the drafting package now at a Vegas, given how well last week's playoff opener went? I would. I would. I think um, NASCAR as a sport, if you look back over the decades, changes are part of the sport. And there's a lot of benefit with throwing some new challenges at the teams. The smartest people will figure out uh, the package and the new rules faster than than others. Um, that just happens over time. And uh, so if you think about it, NASCAR is the only sport 
where the competitors, as part of the expected competition, work to get around the rules. Right? right? right. I mean, wh- whatever you call it, get around the rules, uh, usurp the rules, do things that take advantage of the rules they're given. And you know, no other sport is like that. Basketball, football, a line is a line. The ball is the ball. You know, the NASCAR version of NBA would be that one team spends millions of dollars to invent a laser-guided system that always puts the ball in the hoop, right? <laughs> and if the, rule, if the like ruled it. book didn't say you can't do that, yep. then boom, you know, every other team has to spend millions and millions of dollars on the laser-guided system. Obviously, it's not going to happen in NBA, but in NASCAR, if you can do that, that's part of the rule. That's just the way it is. That In racing, generally, that's kind of uh, how it works. So if, if you set the rules and you never went back to adjust them, how fast is too fast? You know, eventually you've got to sort of pull back the, the rules and reset and let the challenge start again. And I think that's kind of the way that NASCAR has to officiate the game. They have to stay one step ahead, even when the racing's really good. Yeah, you have to stay, whether it's stay one step ahead or just sort of wipe the slate clean and say, start again, mm-hmm. you know, and um, here's a new challenge to go at. And of course, uh, the, the smartest folks, the people that have, you know, the most insight and development with their, with their teams will figure it out again. And, uh, and that will, you know, sort of the, the cream rise to the top. Not only do we have the Roval here, Marcus, but we've also got a new touch here, 88,000 square feet of synthetic turf. Yes. I think is the way yeah. to describe it. Yeah. Now, last week at Las Vegas, unfortunately, Denny Hamlin was the latest victim of having a splitter explode when yeah. he slid through the grass. Yes. Is that our grass now? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. And screwed it up for you guys. Yes, too. Yeah. Is that not going to happen now with this type of surface? Is that sort of the anticipation if a car spins through there, it won't ruin someone's day. So, um, we installed the first bit of turf, uh, prior to the may races. So it was there, uh, coming out of turn four, we had, uh, the synthetic turf on the ground, in that area where the front stretch chicane is for the all-star race and the coke 600 we had cars crash through it we had red hot brake rotors land in it we had um, you know sliding cars racing cars everything and we didn't have any issues with it so that was kind of our guinea pig um, you know test opportunity and it worked so well then we we decided to go ahead and finish off the rest of the infield and are you expecting to take that elsewhere Atlanta, yeah. Vegas, other places. I don't know. It's uh, it's possible. It's it is very expensive. The reason that we did it in Charlotte was because of the road course. When you go through that that chicane on the front stretch, it was clear that cars will be getting off the course mm-hmm. and they would be getting into the natural turf. And if cars are getting in the natural turf for as part of the race, I didn't want to have to pause for cleanup, you know, dirt, debris, and certainly, um, you know hitting the splitters and that sort of thing, sending the cars directly through the grass as part of the course. So I felt like, you know, this would be a good opportunity to try this out. Um, actually, Kevin Harvick deserves all the credit on this. He he introduced me to one of his sponsors, Fields Incorporated, um, Brian Storm and his crew uh, in Sonoma like two years ago. And uh, when he first brought it up, he said, you know, you should think about putting in this turf instead of the grass. And I said, well, my 
my first suggestion would be not to hit the grass. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends, you know, and I, I just said, think of the grass like the wall. You don't want to hit either one. Keep the car on the track. But he introduced me to his uh, to his sponsor, uh, Brian Storm at Fields Incorporated. And when we um, started making the improvements with the road course and, uh, and, and the chicane was coming into play, I thought this is a perfect application opportunity for for the turf and it worked great i was super happy about it uh i mentioned the red hot brake rotor this stuff is so amazing it's got like a 2000 degree flashpoint um it's very special there's nothing else like it in north america it's specially made for us in a racing application and so when that brake rotor hit the turf it didn't uh, catch on fire it uh, just melted and stuck to the uh, to the turf go in cut it out and it's gone hopefully limiting the debris field and uh, allowing yeah. guys to continue because we expect that some cars will have some it's possible some some crashes yeah some, some incidents during this race yes. last question for you on the robot are you hoping it rains no not at all <laughs> okay not at all you yeah. sure <laughs> oh definitely i i don't want it to rain i mean i wouldn't mind just for the fun of trying out the the rain tires if it's sprinkled for maybe 10 minutes to cool people off. You're but thinking of the fans. I, yeah. I do, totally think of the fans. I want them <laughs> okay. to have a lot of fun. All right. Well, yeah. um, wish you much luck with it. Thanks for spending so much time and giving us so much insight here, Marcus. Really appreciate having you. Thanks, Nate. Enjoyed it. All right. The NASCAR and NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Please leave a rating or review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. And as always, any feedback sent to me on Twitter, at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.